Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 146. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm Jeff Nicholson, and I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with entrepreneurs all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. If you're listening to this in the car, cafe, home, or perhaps if you're lucky somewhere exotic, my aim is for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. Remember to be exceptional may require you to pause, reflect, and implement new strategies and new ways of thinking. Now let's get on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So this is the last episode of season four, and what a season it has been. Global life-changing events, ups and downs, all sorts of things going on, and of course, as well as fantastic guests, great insights, and brilliant lessons that we've learned. And what I also am doing is... I want to make sure that I let you know to listen to the um, middle part of the show because I will be talking about a competition where two lucky winners will get an opportunity to win a coaching support package with myself. So more about that later on. But today we are talking with David Jennings. Now, David in 2016 was a successfully let's just say he successfully systematized himself out of his business. One of Australia's most trusted digital agencies, MelbourneSEOServices.com. He hired a CEO and stepped back from the daily operations. Through this process, he became a system devotee, founding System Hub and Systemology. Today, his mission is to free all business owners worldwide from the daily operations of running their business. Recognized as a high-achieving entrepreneur, you will find many of David's keynote presentations on YouTube, including TEDx, WordCamp, and ProBlogger. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. So, David, before we dive into the conversation for today, could you give us a little bit of a background of what's brought you to this point today? I think I would like to think I'm similar to a lot of business owners. I've just had lots of different ideas over the years and chased lots of little rabbit warrens just to see where they'd end up and been involved in everything from a rock and roll clothing music store to importing goods from China, selling digital products. And then probably most recently, the business that I was in for the longest was actually a digital agency. And I worked in that business for about 13 years towards the end of that business. That's when I kind of had this uh, moment, a defining point for me where um, I realized I was working incredibly long hours, you know, mornings, evenings, weekends. And my wife and I found out we were pregnant and I thought, oh, I just, I've got to change the way that my business is working, the way that I'm approaching things. Cause I just didn't want to be that dad who was always too busy, wasn't there for the kids, wouldn't have some time to walk them to school, those sorts of things. Um, even though I, I work from home, so quite fortunate in that regard, um, but I know what it's like. My dad was the same being a, a business owner. He was, he was always there, but it was like, he wasn't really present. His mind was always 
somewhere else um, and he was always working. So I, I kind of had that moment of like a, a defining moment that said, right, you've got to change the way that you're doing things. And I've, I've read the books like the E-Myth and uh, Built to Sell and Work the System. A lot of those books that tell you how to build a business that works without you, or at least get you inspired by this idea of building a systemized business. But I still felt like I, I didn't know how to do it. And that's, um, I suppose, the last few years of my life has really been focused heavily uh, in on that. How do you remove the business owner from the business? How do you build a profitable enterprise that works without them? And I spent uh, the last few years uh, stepping out of the digital agency. We systemized it and I hired a CEO. She uh, runs that business the day to day and I ended up uh, taking a little bit of time off when our first child was born. And then now that uh, that one has turned into two and I'm working on uh, a new business while my CEO, she works on the digital agency and reports back to me and gives me insights into uh, how that business is going. And I provide more strategic direction. And now I've really become incredibly interested in solving this problem for other people, which is how do you remove that business owner from the business? And I've developed a, a method I call systemology, which is mm. the system for basically systemizing a business. And that's where most of my focus these days goes. Okay. So there's loads of this. Number one, I can't wait to speak to about this because that, that, that's one thing that fascinates me. Um, so two things, have you always had that entrepreneurial spirit? Is it, is it been yeah. there from watching your dad or, or whatever? Definitely always had it. When I left school, I always thought to myself, I want to just get to it, get out into the real world and start making money. So when I left school, I was really interested in the stock market and I took out a big loan and learned one of those weekend, learn how to trade the stock market courses, thinking I was going to be a millionaire <laughs> and that's kind of how it all got started and then I realized just learning how to trade the stock market is not enough you actually need some money to trade the stock market and then I went to the next thing and the next thing and that was kind of the catalyst it's always interesting my my first sort of escapade into entrepreneur I think I was about 17 or 18 and there was a there was a thing where you could sign away send away and get this little book and it was going to teach you how to become well, what it would, how, how they always describe it these days is how to become a millionaire. I thought, right, that's what I'm going to do. And literally all it was is just sell the book to another 50, 60, 100 people. I was like, oh, damn it. But yeah, there's always been something inside me as well just to go, oh, I wonder, I wonder how I can do that. But um, I had this, um, one of the very first business things that I ever did, um, and maybe this gives you an indication that it's always been in me. I just read a book called uh, The One Minute Millionaire, and it told the story of this guy, Paul Hartunian, and how he sold the Brooklyn Bridge for, I think it was 1995. He was in the US, and basically they'd done some renovations on the Brooklyn Bridge and he got his hands on the discarded wood and chopped it up into pieces and sold it. So I'd just read this story and I was driving past um, the MCG, the Melbourne Cricket Ground, which is Australia's most, <clears throat> excuse me, well-known sporting stadium. And it's almost like a religious experience for Australians. Like they are sports mad. And I was driving past and I saw they were doing renovations on 
the Melbourne Cricket Ground. Um, was, and it was almost like fireworks went off in my brain. <laughs> and I, I replicated what uh, Paul Hartunian had done. I got my hands on a bunch of discarded wooden seating and some of the carpet. I wrote a press release saying Melbourne Man sells the MCG for $24.95. And then I ran some ads in a local newspaper. Then that got picked up by uh, the, um, the news. They sent someone out and I got on the radio and I basically sold thousands of these little pieces of wood that I got stuck to some certificate paper that I was, uh, my mum and I were making up uh, from my bedroom at home and, and sending out via the mail. So it's, I think it's always been there. That is fantastic. That is fantastic. Okay, and the second bit is, and I don't know whether this um, intersects in what we're going to talk about about the uh, system system. What is it? Systemology. Yeah. Systemology. Yeah. There's, there you go. Never easy for a dyslexic. Um, and that's you work from home. Have you found that that philosophy of putting in systems has been a huge benefit? Um, or is a huge benefit for, for people at work at home? Or do you specifically find that that works better for if you want bricks and mortar type businesses? Definitely it works across the board. All businesses are, are a collection of systems and processes. Some of them are documented and some of them are undocumented, like they're trapped in people's heads. So really uh, systemizing a business is just about capturing what you're doing as best as you can and then getting consistency getting everybody to follow that particular method and i think now more than ever with everything that's going on in the world right now and people having to work virtually um it's it's been so clear to me that that people need and your team need to know how to do things and um, what what the process is and make sure that everybody's communicating the same way, storing things the same way. There's a process. So we know what happens next, you know, after we send out the invoice, then the job gets handled uh, over to our operations team who sets them up in our project management platform like that, that flow needs to be very clear uh, because you can't just lean over to the person sitting next to you and say, Hey, you know, just to let you know, blah, 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 customer is starting tomorrow. Um, it, it's all virtual now. So systems and processes are, and have never been more important. So um, going, looking at that, and I know you, you, you say you, you were systemology, you've kind of like come up with this, um, this, this strategy and, and, and of how to do that methodology. Um, when you are talking about the sort of that, that time when you can kind of go, okay, this is what you need to do to start documenting your processes and systems. What for you is the best way to get started? Is it, is it just writing out on a whiteboard? Is it, you know, looking at some um, platform? What for you is that best place to get started? Yeah, so this is exactly why I wrote Systemology was to answer this very specific question because people will read um, the books like The E-Myth and Work the System, Built to Sell, Traction, Scaling Up. They'll get all excited about systems, but then the biggest question is, yeah, but where do I get started? What do I do first? And a lot of people also have, I've found a lot of misconceptions around systems and 
what it takes to systemize a business. Like one of the big ones is that you're going to need hundreds of systems to systemize your business or people think that the business owner needs to be the person who designs the systems. And other people think that, you know, if I systemize my business, what's the point? Because my team won't follow the systems anyway, or um, that systems remove creativity. There's a lot of these things that circle. So the systemology speaks to that. And the first step to actually get the process underway is called define. And what you want to do, and everybody, I mean, you can do this right now. It's a really simple um, little action item you can do. Get yourself an A4 bit of paper in the top left-hand corner, just write down your target audience and one central product or service that you think would be a great starting point for working with your business. Then you, all we're going to do is um, this process, it's called the critical client flow. And what you define or what you identify is the journey that the customer and the business goes through to deliver that core product or service. So starting at the top of the page, you think, uh, how does the business get attention of their target audience? Maybe it's SEO, AdWords, maybe it's you webinar or something like that or something. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. List out those at the top of the page. Then you work your way down the page. Next box underneath that would be how do you respond to the inquiries that come in? Do they come in via the website? Do they pick up the phone? Then again, moving down the page, what does your sales process look like? Do you qualify someone? Do you issue out a proposal? Do you follow them up? Uh, what does that selling look like? Then keep moving down the page. Then once they're sold, how do you take the money? Do you take 50% up front or 50% on completion? Keep moving down the page. Next one down is how do you onboard a client? How do you get them started? And then keep moving down the page. How do you um, deliver the product or service. And then the final one down the bottom of the page is then how do you hand over and get the client to come back and repeat? But if you just through a series of boxes and in each of those boxes, write not more than one or two words just to say, Oh, this is a, a high level process that we'll need to design. Basically what we've just done there from that start to finish of attracting a customer all the way through to delivering, handing over and getting them to come back is you've identified 10 to 15 systems that are central to the business making money. And if you can systemize just that, what ends up happening is the business is able to make money without key person dependency, without the dependency of the business owner. That's where you want to get to. If the business can make money without the business owner, that's when the whole game starts to change. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well, isn't it? Because there's two things. Is The first one is that I love that one that keeps coming up where um, what's the point in doing it because no one's going to pay attention to it. Yeah. I love that one. Um, I used to do quality control at one of the companies I used to do. And we used to have um, in, in England, it's called ISO, um, which yeah. is basically a standard. Familiar. Yeah. So, um, and you just used to go, what's the point of writing this down? Because they're not going to pay any attention. They're just going to do it their way. Um, but the other thing is, as well, it's that, is how often do you come up with that? Is the, you know, like, um, let's say the entrepreneur mindset. They've started this thing up from nothing and they're looking at it and they're going, this is my baby. And it's that challenge and that mindset switch to hand it over to so and this, you, obviously you've done this as well because you you know you've said yourself you've hired someone else 
this is the most challenging jump for all business owners if they've started up the business from scratch. And Michael Gerber speaks to this specifically in his book, um, The E-Myth, because the entrepreneurial myth, The E-Myth, is this myth that because you can do the thing that you're selling, uh, you think that you can run a business uh, selling that thing. So if you're a hairdresser, because you can cut hair, you think that you can run a hairdressing business, but very quickly you realize that it takes more than just cutting the hair. There's sales, marketing, there's HR, there's um, the finance side of things. There are all of these additional components outside of just cutting hair. So when you realize that, um, then the challenge becomes, yes, how do we kind of cross over? Because uh, when you're in startup mode as well, the business owner does everything. If it's just you, you're the founder and you're getting the business going, you are doing all of the pieces and your business grows as a result of you doing those pieces. So it gets reinforced that you are doing the right thing because your business has grown up until this point and you've micromanaged everything and you might've brought in different assistants and contractors, but you're still the bottleneck because you want to make sure that everything's delivered to this really high standard. And then what that does is that actually traps the business owner. There's, they reach like a glass ceiling. They don't even necessarily recognize it's there, but they tap out on capacity and you, the only way to break through that glass ceiling is to realize that you need to create systems and processes to set the standard. And then you need to shift the culture in your organization so that they then to start to follow the systems and the processes. Otherwise you will forever be doing the task. And it's, it's a very challenging thing to try and break. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why finding someone else who, because oftentimes founders and um, people who start businesses aren't systems thinkers by nature. Typically speaking, they're big picture people. They see a problem in the world that they want to solve. They start a business to solve that problem. They move quickly. They jump from whatever the next fire is in the business to put out. They're in that firefighting mode and you've got to do that to get off the ground. But once you actually get going, you, you need to, let go of the bad habits. Otherwise you will forever be in that mode. And that's, that's really, again, a big part of what systemology, the book is all about. It's well, what is the seven step process to make that jump? Um, how do you strategically do it? How do you take the business owner out of the equation? Because the business owner isn't usually the best person to be writing the systems and the processes because they're busy at the best of times. Yeah. And, and do you think these systems help the culture develop and evolve to ultimately, I guess, what the vision of the business owner is for it to, I suppose when, when business owners get started, the majority of them look at it and go, I can't wait till this is running on its own, but yes. they never let go of the, of that, of that tiller to yeah. allow that to take place. Definitely. And that's, that's huge. I think um, they 
oftentimes think about, you know, why they wanted to start the business. And sometimes it is to do with, often it's to do with freedom. They want freedom of time. They want freedom of money. They want the freedom to think about who they're working with. And then they get going and they actually have practically the direct opposite of what it was that they were searching for. They are locked into the business. They can't leave the business or take time off because everything depends on them. It's, it's really quite sad because then they get trapped there. Uh, I think what needs to happen is yes, a change in uh, the, the thinking. I often say if the business is dependent on the business owner, then the business is broken. And I think if someone hears that and they really take that on board, it will then get you to start looking at your business, how to fix it. If it's broken, if it's dependent on you, um, meaning if it works without you, then it's working. Okay, well, what do I need to do to get it to that point? And it's funny, a lot of business owners as well, they think because they're not systems thinkers, they think that they, they project that onto their team thinking, well, they're not going to follow systems. But the truth is that A players, people who really want to do well in a role and excel, actually like systems and processes because what it does is it tells them how to succeed at their role, how to do really well and how to excel for the business owner and you know for their managers and things like that. So getting some sort of structure down, and I'm not talking about um, making it so you write a system um, so that it's just dummy proof. I remember hearing um, Netflix founder Reed, uh, I think it's Reed Hastings um, had commented. He said, Oh, when we started dummy proofing our business, we, we only started to attract dummies. Only dummies wanted to work here. And it, it made me realize that it's not about making these systems so painstaking, you know, in their detail level, it's about giving guidelines and rules. And then it's about you know, finding great people. It's the combination of a good framework, a way of doing things, a system, and then combine that with great team members. That's when the magic happens. Yeah, because it's it's also about making sure that there's quality flowing through the the running of the systems as well, isn't it? Yeah, and that a lot of that will happen from finding the right people and having the right checks. Like a system might be, you know, some high level bullet points. It could be a checklist, and maybe at the end of that system, uh, one of the steps is to then have a look at the output of that particular system and a couple of checks and measures just to make sure that that standard has been met. Like there are a few little tweaks like that, that you can make along the way that have the big impact on that bottom line. And do you think, and do you think looking at, you know, obviously your experience, this is where you specialize in when you're working with companies to do that. Do you think that, have you seen, sorry, by, by doing this that you've seen in, an increase in productivity, an increase in performance and in, in revenue because they haven't had, because they've got that system in place. 100%. I've seen right, okay. there's um, on our website, I, I spot out a, a, a few different case studies. I remember um, Gary McMahon who runs uh, eco solutions. He, he, he talked about um, once he sort of started systemizing the end result was he saw 
net profit jump by 30%. And there's another guy, um, Paul, who runs a, a digital agency and he'd cited something similar. It was a, for him, it was closer to 40%. And then we've had other clients who, um, one that comes to mind, she got it to the point where her business was so profitable and so attractive to a buyer. Um, her name was Jeanette and she runs a company called um, Diggy Doggy Daycare. And that was a doggy daycare center. And she systemized that business and then sold it to a big national company who um, has have plans to basically roll it out across Australia and, and use the systems that she developed as the, the franchisee manual. So that way, you know, the, the, the business is proven, the numbers are solid and there's a way of doing things. So m most definitely there's actually quite a lot of benefits that come from systemizing everything from improve, improving uh, efficiency, reducing uh, key person dependency, um, improving the, the time off for business owners, in, improving the value of a business um, making it more scalable. There's, there's lots of things that happen when you get this right. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and even moving, it's, you know, to pivoting slightly, even when you introduce systems into yourself, how you do your day-to-day -day life, that also you seek the rewards as well. Yeah. And it's the rewards, you layer them up. Each new system that you add in saves you a little bit of time, gives you a little bit of extra efficiency and it's the compound effect. And we see this, I mean, the simple example everybody's probably heard of is something like uh, some of the greatest thinkers of our time and creative people, they have a, a very basic system for the way that they choose their clothes at the start of the day. Your Einstein, your Zuckerbergs, you know, um, your Steve Jobs, um, he had this uniform that he would wear and they all cite the same reason. They say, look, I don't want to devote decision-making power to such a trivial item. I'm just going to make this happen by default by having a good system. Cause what that does is that just gives me just that little bit of extra space to then devote that to more important matters. Now, if that's a very basic example, imagine how many little hacks and you know systems they've got for saving a little bit here, a little bit there, um, which have enabled them. And this is where the misconception is that systems remove creativity. It actually does the opposite because the systems handle all of the, the stuff that, that has to happen and it does it more automatically so that you have extra space to think create creatively. So systems do the opposite to what people think. They don't remove creativity. They create the space for increased um, creativity. Yeah. So you're, you're so, so um, the way I would look at it is, is the, the system is managing the cognitive load. So you're allowing, you're allowing it to go. Okay. Subconscious. You don't really, you consciously, you don't need to think about that. It's a subconscious thing and it's working. So why break the system? Because that's taking an awful lot of energy away from or a waste of energy into something yes. that's not needed. And I suppose then, then you have the, because um, I know I come across this quite often is if people want to change, they try and overwhelm the change by trying to force, you know, almost like going, right, mm. board meeting, everything's changing. Every this system is going to change. And what I loved about it at the beginning of the interviews went, just pick one thing and work your way down and do it where I've been in companies where 
they've kind of like gone, no, no, it's not working. So we'll, we need to change everything. And there's such a disconnect. Mm. Trying you to you be touched on a few really key points there. Um, the, the first being, it can be challenging to introduce change. So there are a variety of things that you can do to increase the likelihood that it'll be received well. Getting people involved in the process as early as possible, like people support what it is that they help to create. People also, uh, you need them to see the benefit from their vantage point, like from where they are, what, what would, is the direct benefit to them? So you, you let them know, Hey, you know how you go on holidays and you take a week off. And when you come back, there are a thousand emails in your inbox and you spend the next two months catching up for your one week off. Well, by systemizing what we're doing is we're meaning that things can keep moving while you're on holiday. So you can have a restful break and know when you come back that you can just hit the ground running or, and it depends on the person you have to phrase it and think about it for the person. You might say to another person, Oh, you want to move up the ranks? Well, for you to take a more senior position or a higher level of responsibility or to become more valuable to the company, you need to systemize parts of your job and then be able to get that onto other lower cost team members so that you can be elevated. You need to plug someone in behind you to create space for you to move into this new position. So again, it's, it's about understanding where the individual is, helping them to understand the benefit to them directly. Um, and uh, it's not a one and done scenario either. Like, that's the hardest transition. It's not just have one board meeting. Hey, everybody, we're becoming a systemized business. Um, because most of the resistance actually comes from your existing staff as well. Like new staff, when they come on board, if all they know is your systemized approach, then there's zero resistance because that's all they know. But it's the existing staff that you'll need to work through uh, because they'll go, oh, but I've always done it this way. Why do I need to change? And, and some team members also have deliberately created a black box around them so that no one really knows what they're doing because that then creates some level of job security because you can't get rid of them because, you know, no one's going to know how to do my role. So th there's a few things that you need to address. It's, it's um, step number five in the systemology process is integrate. And it is all about getting the team on board, getting that buy-in because it's, it's critical to make it fly. Hey guys, so it's competition time. Two lucky people get an opportunity to win a coaching support package with me where we will dive in to your core outcomes and goals. We will create your personal success plan and I will hold you accountable to achieve the results that you're looking for to achieve that exceptional life. Application couldn't be easier. Either go to any of my episode pages on my website, click on the yellow competition banner, or click on the competition link on the show notes. And you will be sent to an application form. Fill in two questions, obviously, as well as your name and email address. And during season five, I will ask a couple of guests to pick out the lucky winners. And then you will receive an email and we will get you booked in for your first coaching session. Best of luck. Wishing you the greatest success. Take care. 
So welcome, we're now at part two of the show where I get a chance to ask every guest who comes on the show a set of questions. Okay, so question number one is on average, how much time a week do you dedicate to self-development? That could be body, mind or spirit. I would say these days, probably an hour or two a night. Um, It's not the same sort of self-development that it used to be way back in the day. Like I used to listen to those motivational rah-rah, Zig Ziglar, Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy type audios. Um, These days it's um, more about learning new topics and things like that. So in the evenings, whether it's, you know, some books or videos or um, audios just on, on different areas that I might be interested in at the time. Cool. Cool. Question number two is what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a traditional personal development book. For me, the ones that seem to have the biggest impact are the bios. So two stands out, uh, the Steve Jobs book by Walter Isaacson. And also there's a Richard Branson book, which I believe was written by Richard Branson. Those bios, I, I just love them. They're, they're quite epic books, but as far as the size, but they're so well re- um, written that I kind of get drawn all the way through and I find them quite inspiring. Yeah, it, I, I once got it um, by a mentor of mine. He said, so it, it's, sometimes it's those autobiographies that tell a story. You pick up on a far, far deeper level. Mm, the the, the mindset, their activities, their, you know, the way of thinking, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and some of them have been, I'm reading one about Stanley the Explorer at the minute, just a complete curveball. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how... Um, do you prefer reading them so you can write notes or te- or listening to it on audiobook? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, if I had to pick, I'd probably say the audio. Um, yeah. But I, I, I did read both of the books that we just talked about a moment ago. Um, I read both of those and that was uh, I, such an enjoyable experience. But generally speaking, I, I like to listen, but they're probably the exception. Okay, cool. Um, number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or life and why? I think the biggest app would be YouTube. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I just, whenever there's something that I want to learn more about, that's usually my go-to place. Yeah, I think kids are so lucky now. To be able to, or even just anything, it's like if you, oh, well, I've got to pipe up uh, 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 some taps or something, a faucet. Oh, I'll just go on YouTube. It'll tell you how to do it. Yeah. It's amazing. We just never had anything like that. We had the DIY guide or something from from when we were kids that would, my dad would spend hours looking at pictures on. Um, but it's always a weird thing when you look at it now. Um, question number four. What's your biggest business mistake, which turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? Biggest business mistake was working in the digital agency too long. Like I actually feel like working in a business as a business owner, and I was in that business for well over 10 years, um, solving many of the same problems over again, kind of helped me reach that conclusion that if the business depends on the business owner or any particular team member, it really is broken. So that was the big lesson that I learned that you want to be building businesses from day one with the thought that it needs to run without you because that's, otherwise you don't have a business. You really just have a job. 
Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one. And sometimes, depending on different phases of your life, that can either be almost like a kick in the nuts hearing something like that. Yes. Or, or it's yes. like, actually, that is a revelation. Um, but it's, yes. it's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Yeah, and I think the sooner people embrace that, the sooner they'll have a big breakthrough. A big breakthrough happens when you um, have a business that is generating a profit for you that you're not working like in to necessarily generate that profit. It's, it's, it just completely changes the game for, for the business owner. Yeah. Love that one. Love that one. Okay. And number five, no, number four, sorry. Um, what's your, no, no, sorry. Yeah. Number five, what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? Uh, definitely always a challenge. I, I, tend to not separate too much from uh, my work, from my living. I, I mean, I love what I do um, and it kind of, it just meshes in together. Um, and because I love it so much, I do um, try and get my wife. I, mean, I don't have to try and get her. She, she just does it. She, she pulls me out of it and makes sure that I also don't forget about the rest of the world that's going on around me. And that's what helps to create some really good balance with, family time and, and being there for the kids. And, you know, I mean, I write about this sort of stuff. So I want to be the best example of what it is that I teach. Um, so it's, I, I think it's just making the space for each of these things. There's, there's not really any other way to do it. Sometimes you go a little bit of out of balance too. Like I'm in, in the mode of preparing and launching the systemology book. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting up nice and early to do interviews like this and I am doing some, um, sort of evening work as well. But then there are other times when we go back the other way. So it's kind of like a little bit of swings and roundabouts. Yeah, it's the prioritizing, isn't it? Because like you say, sometimes there may be a really urgent project or a project that's really key at that moment. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to... And wives have a tendency or partners certainly have a tendency to let you know if you're taking it the wrong that's way. Right. <laughs> so, yes, you have to pick your... Uh, partners carefully yeah. so you don't want them to 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 be able to support what it is that you're doing your, yeah. and your dreams and your visions but also be a great counterbalance to make sure that yeah, yeah. You, you're not becoming uh, you know or not missing other parts of the world things yeah. are going on around you if you're so focused on business you'll also miss a heck of a lot of things yeah totally totally okay question number six what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out um, it's come up a few times, so I'll just stick with it, which is that idea if the business is dependent on you, it's broken. And the sooner that you solve that, the better you will be. Okay, fantastic. Question number seven is what is your personal definition of success? I think success is just having the freedom in, in time, money, and the ability to choose what projects you work on. When When you can decide how you're spending your time and you're not choosing decisions um, based on necessarily the financial implications. So you've, you've got the freedom to do the things you, that you want and then work with the people you want. That's another really biggie. Um, some people have time and money freedom, but they're also working on projects and things that they don't really enjoy or with people they don't enjoy. So I think when you get those three, that's, that's ultimate success. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Question number eight is, do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge positive impact to your day? 
the daily routines, I think I don't have any, like I almost feel like they're more weekly routines than they are daily. So like I have little things that happen, whether it's, you know, doing jujitsu a couple of times during the week or um, some morning, there are some mornings that I do get up early and then refocus on what we're going to be doing for the week ahead. But it's, yeah, it's, each day there is a little bit of difference, but yeah. um, I suppose if you look out on a weekly level, there is. Brilliant. Okay. Um, brilliant. Okay. So the floor is now yours. Um, how can we find out more about you? Tell us where we can get hold of the book. Um, please take it away. Perfect. So head over to systemology.com forward slash book. That's where you'll find all about systemology, which is um, the tagline, create time, reduce errors and scale your profits with proven business systems. Um, Depending on when you're listening to this, the book comes out on the 18th of August, 2020. But uh, if you go there a little bit early, there'll be preview chapters, behind the scenes interviews and a bunch of extra goodies that all centers around this idea of building profitable businesses that work without the business owner. So that's systemology.com forward slash book. There's even a link over to from there you can get to my podcast as well um, where I'll interview people and have them share systems and processes uh, that uh, we then document so that you can deploy those systems and processes in your business. Fantastic. Um, David's just been an absolute honor speaking to you. Thanks very much for um, I'm assuming it's quite early in the morning where you are. Um, so thanks very much for taking the time out and just wishing you the greatest success. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jeff. First of all, let me just say a huge and massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening. I really appreciate the support. If you would like to know more about me, the services I offer, how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.successiq.co.uk. Remember, if you're interested in learning some great strategies that I teach or want to be part of the amazingly supportive community where you can find lives, Q&A sessions and other great educational empowering resources, then take action and search for Success IQ Alliance on Facebook and join this brilliant group. It would be lovely to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. And if you have enjoyed the show and have the time, please leave a rating and review because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm aspiring to do. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week and remember, just one conversation can create a lifetime of results. See you next week.